the reading of the scriptures uh, found in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. I invite your reverent and joyful hearing and faith the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 6. Now, in those these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of the Lord continued to increase. And the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The, uh, the church uh, experiences uh, another conflict, uh, which is uh, perpetual. Uh, anytime men are involved in things, uh, they have a way of breaking. Uh, here it's uh, an internal conflict. Uh, a lot of the book of Acts is conflict from external sources, uh, mainly from, if you will, false religion. Uh, but here it's, uh, it's internal. Uh, and the greater issue is uh, to watch how the apostles uh, resolve the issue and the resolution that they come to, uh, in particular how they uh, go about to fix it. Uh, and uh, this, uh, this really is compelling theme, uh, just as it is uh, standing firm uh, against uh, the tyranny of uh, false religion. And uh, we will watch uh, this morning in really something of a case study, the apostles uh, turn to spiritual men and spiritual means, because ultimately that's how you fix things uh, that, uh, that men break. Uh, and it's a compelling uh, theme for us because of the unity of the church. A uh, reminder that disunity is uh, always, always going to be about us. Uh, forces that want to uh, inject uh, disunity. And so, in a broader scheme, uh, the spiritual men and the spiritual means that they uh, turn to use uh, affect a sense of unity of the church. Uh, we, uh, we learned in uh, Acts chapter 5 that Satan attacks, uh, but he's always attacking. I mean, the apostles tell us Satan's about us like a roaring lion. Uh, he is an ambush predator, he's an opportunity predator, but he's about us as a roaring lion. Uh, it's part of the dangers of the world. Uh, reminder of the importance of the scriptures in the church and the means 
uh, to advance the faith uh, found in the scriptures. Uh, one of his uh, great means is to divide and conquer. It's just ever-present, of course, in the world, but it's very present in the life of the church. Uh, think about it. Uh, the number of denominations, the number of churches, uh, always dividing and conquering. Uh, and the end point is to dilute the power of the church because a unified church is a, is a powerful force. The, uh, the social uh, context is... Uh, uh, diaspora Jews have uh, migrated uh, to Jerusalem. In the process of time, a husband dies. Uh, I speculate that uh, the widow uh, comes to faith, uh, leaves or is perhaps even expelled from the synagogue, she joins the church, uh, and she needs a support. Uh, as you know from the Old Testament, uh, the Word of God mandated uh, for the care of widows, among others, uh, but certainly widows. Uh, and like many social issues, this fell into disrepair. That's the way of man. Uh, uh, you know, remarkable uh, when uh, Jesus upbraids uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, if you will, the expert lawyers of the day. He calls them hypocrites because they devour widows' houses. I mean, how bad can it be? Well, it can get pretty bad sometimes. Uh, and that comes into the life of the church uh, to work uh, division. Uh, a problem arises in the distribution of uh, food to the Hellenists, or the Greek widows. Uh, they were being overlooked or neglected. Now, it's very interesting that in verse 6, uh, pardon me, verse 1 of chapter 6, uh, the word uh, complaint is uh, used of uh, Israel in the wilderness. They complained. They complained about the food. Uh, but in the new Israel or the church, uh, there will be a solution to this problem. Remarkable testimony of the presence of the Spirit of God. And really the manifest difference between old and new. And that really is the heart of unity. Think about it. Are there two classes of widows or just one? Uh, but we have a way of creating classes of people. Uh, and that, of course, to the shame of the church. Can we treat people differently based on ethnicity? Think about that. And that problem is not only here. It's going to explode in the rest of the book of Acts, finally resulting, Acts chapter 15, in a church council. They finally have to resolve the issue. People struggling with different classes of people in the life of the church. Uh, it's a powerful reminder to us as Christians uh, that we are, uh, by the grace of God, uh, because of Christ, one, one people, uh, regardless of our backgrounds uh, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so let's look at the solution, uh, part one. Uh, the threat to unity in uh, Acts chapter 6 is met by spiritual men. Uh, the Holy Spirit is present. Uh, he causes his men to act. Uh, the apostles gather the congregation and they issue uh, a solution. Uh, very interesting when you look at the solution. First, they refused 
to leave their primary duty to neglect the word of God in prayer. Uh, the irony of neglect. Uh, sometimes we think, oh, there's an immediate crisis. I better run over here and run over there. Uh, they recognize the uh, importance of the scripture in prayer. Uh, we, we find this problem, of course, as you might expect in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 18. Moses is simply being worn out. So if you will, a wise man comes to him and says, look, I'm going to give you some advice. God be with you. Uh, Exodus 18, verse 20. What is Moses to do? Teach the statutes and the law. Make known to the people the way in which they are to walk and the work that they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select from the congregation uh, men who fear God, men of truth who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place them over uh, the people's leaders to fix these problems while you give your heart and soul to teaching the Scriptures. And they will judge all these minor disputes. Something of a model of what's occurring in Acts chapter 6. Pay attention to the important things, the essentials, that which is primary. Uh, it's also uh, picked up in a, just a great uh, account on the life of our Lord. Uh, you recall the story in uh, Luke chapter 40, pardon me, chapter 10, verse 40. Jesus uh, goes to the house of uh, Mary and Martha. Uh, and uh, Martha seemingly is the quintessential hostess. And uh, she's trying to prepare food. She gets upset that her sister is out there listening to Jesus. Begins to bother her and eat on her. I mean, this is an important thing. The Lord has come. We need to uh, take care of him. And she's, uh, she's out there listening to him, and I need her help. Uh, she finally complains to the Lord. Verse 41, Luke chapter 10, but the Lord answers said to him, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really only one. And Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. She was listening to the Savior teach. And it's true in the life of any church. There's always uh, 10,000 issues going on and uh, different uh, uh, matters calling attention. But again, the primary, the essence, uh, is of course uh, the Word of God, the words of, of our Savior. Uh, and these, uh, these examples perhaps wait upon uh, the ministry of uh, the apostles because that's the priority of the twelve. Namely, to engage the eternal and spiritual with the right men. I sometimes uh, wonder if we've uh, reversed this in churches. Uh, we look to perhaps men who are qualified in matters of the world. Uh, something to consider. Uh, these men look to godly men, uh, men who knew the Scriptures, uh, men who were skilled in the Scriptures, uh, and they begin by refusing to leave their own primary duties. Uh, they also, 
it's very important that they refuse to neglect the temporal and physical because they know it will soon become spiritual. And that's what I mean, that this uh, problem will expand eventually beyond uh, the widows, uh, eventually resulting Acts 15 in a church council. Sometimes things just don't go away. Uh, so uh, they command them to select men whom they will in turn uh, put in charge of the issue, verse 3. Critical focus is their qualifications. Uh, first is, again, verse 3, Acts chapter 6, men of good reputation. Uh, the Greek text is literally men who are witnessed about, stressing uh, the importance of witness. Men who have a good witness. Uh, men who are the product of a good testimony. Uh, it, it is a reminder I mean, I, I know we place a great deal of emphasis upon the verbal, the written word, but a life is important too. It bears a witness. Uh, wherever we go in the world, uh, of course we're to share the faith and the gospel, but our lives also are witness. And that is uh, the point here. These are men who are well witnessed about because our actions are a testimony as well. Uh, secondly, they are full of the Spirit and wisdom. Uh, these uh, descriptions stress content. If you think of their lives, their lives were full of Spirit and wisdom. Uh, and that is an essential part of the book of Acts. For example, uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Uh, an essential part of, uh, of solutions to fix issues. Men who are filled with the Spirit and wisdom. Uh, a, a spirit man is a, a man that is uh, full of the Word of God. It's very interesting, and we have spoken about this matter before, but in the Old Testament, the word wisdom uh, is related to a skill. Broader sense, it's a skill in living, navigating life and having a skill to navigate life. Uh, it is a word, interestingly enough, as I've shared in the past, uh, used of the craftsmen uh, that Moses turned to uh, to build the tabernacle the incredible artwork and the fabrics and the woodwork and on and on, the shaping and forming of metal. Uh, they were called wise men because they had a skill. Skilled artisans built the tabernacle. And so hence we jump from that to a skill in living. Uh, and that is uh, something that's uh, manifestly uh, needed uh, to solve problems in life. Uh, men who are skilled. Uh, I mean, think about it in your own life. Uh, you go to skilled physicians. You turn to skilled tradesmen. Because they're essential to fix problems. Uh, in this case, uh, the apostles turn to men who are skilled in life as well. In other words, these men knew and could apply the Scriptures uh, to do what was right to maintain a good witness. 
Thirdly, uh, when you look at the names of these men, they were Greeks. So the problem was, uh, problem was with uh, Greek, uh, Greek widows, so they turned to Greeks to fix the problem. And uh, uh, the apostles uh, ratified the choice. Uh, I, was, uh, I learned early on in the United States Army the importance of the chain of command. And problems are best fixed at the lowest level. Uh, just the way that it is. And when you look at the complexity of the Army, and it's a pretty complex organization, at the lowest level, there are section leaders, squad leaders, platoon leaders, and generally, uh, there are NCOs involved in that. And NCOs are skilled fixers of problems at the lowest level. It's essential that problems are fixed there. Uh, if they don't, they have a way of percolating and continuing on, rising to higher levels. So spiritual men are turned to. Uh, that's phase one of how to fix the problem of the maltreatment of uh, Greek widows in the life of the church spiritual men, men who knew the Scriptures. Uh, and not just men who could know the Scriptures, men who could apply the Scriptures. Uh, phase two of uh, fixing the problem is spiritual means. Spiritual men, so now we turn uh, to spiritual means. Uh, the major uh, answer to the threat of disunity is, as I have suggested, the apostles keep doing what they have been doing. They keep teaching. Uh, they refuse to get sidelined. Uh, that is an essential in the life of a healthy church. You, you, you may be saying to yourself, well, I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, what, I mean what's the big deal here? Well, uh, I'm not so sure it's not a really big deal in the life of the American church. Remember early on in uh, Christian ministry, I, I saw kind of a fad come into the church of people turning to counselors and uh, counseling programs and bringing in counselors. And, and I was still riding on the turnip truck, but I didn't really kind of fit that together. But just all these counselors. Uh, I went to a church and uh, kind of developed a, philosophy of the importance of the scriptures. Pastor looked at me one day and said, Phil, you don't really get it. You're going you're gonna to encounter all these problems. They're just going to be incredible problems in your life. And uh, he went off to get a PhD in counseling and got involved in counseling on and on. Just kind of wondering, what role do the scriptures play? It's a great question. Uh, so, you, know, you might think that uh, these things are self-evident, but they're not in the life of the church. Uh, we have a way of getting sidelined. Uh, do we want people who are skilled in the scriptures, or do we want worship leaders? Do we want administrators, program managers? Do we have a way of saying to ourselves, man, you want to grow the American church, you better adopt a youth culture. Uh, turn to what attracts youth. You get the youth, you keep the parents. I've never understood that. Uh, 
So maybe I'm still on the turnip truck. Uh, but we can see here what the apostles are doing and what they give attention to in their own life. But in all of these things, uh, the Scriptures, I have a way of thinking, grow wanting. Uh, so what are some of the spiritual means? Well, turn with me, if you would, uh, to a passage I know that you are very familiar with, and that is 2 Timothy chapter 3. And as you know, this is Paul's last epistle. Uh, he is mentoring uh, his young legacy. Uh, verse 16, he tells his legacy. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Notice the result or the effect of Scripture, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The sufficiency of Scripture. Remember a number of years ago reading a biography on uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, Lloyd-Jones was uh, trained uh, as a physician, got involved in Christian ministry, uh, goes to a church and uh, there are all these programs in the church as to how to help people. People with all the problems of life, substance abuse, and on and on and on. And they had a meeting for this problem and a meeting for that problem, and all these programs to fix the issues of life. Lloyd Jones said, Get rid of them all. This is the church. Now let's use the means that we find in Scripture. Scriptures. Now, I'm not saying those programs don't have a place in our culture, and I'm, I'm glad there's programs to help people with substance abuse, and uh, I'm glad that there's counselors to help people through problems, and uh, all of those things have a place. But the chief preeminent place in the life of a church is the Word of God. Not just for the adults, but for the young people. The Scriptures. Uh, because they're profitable. They equip us for every good work. Uh, I remember an old saw that uh, I've never really forgotten. What you win people with, you win them too. We have a way of, uh, of looking in the world and say, man, let's use some of the means of the world. Let's, let's use this and that program and this program. Uh, again, I just remind you of that old saw. What you win people with, you win them too. We're to win people with the Word of God, the creative Word of God, and all that that means. So the driving force of the apostles here in this, this problem uh, is to make sure that the church does not grow uh, wanting for the Word. So look at verse 4 of Acts chapter 6. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Ministry of the Word. The ministry of prayer. Essential means established for us uh, in the life of the church. It's a reminder that a spiritual kingdom is advanced by spiritual means. So the apostles say we will devote ourselves to prayer uh, and 
the ministry of the word. Piercing the, uh, the word devote is a compound verb. Comes from the simplex verb to be steadfast. The intensified form is to constantly attend oneself. And so they are devoted to constantly attend uh, to the word and to prayer. And so the remarkable continuity in the life of the church of the book of Acts is word and prayer. It's what they give their hearts to. As you know, prayer is supplication. They entreat God to advance the word. It's a principal means of the faith. I mean, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Continually devoted uh, to prayer. Chapter 2, verse 42. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to, and to prayer. Essential for the life of the church. Yeah. Ephesians uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints. Prayer. Public prayer, corporate prayer, if you will, as well as private prayer. It's essential for the life of the church, I might add, goes without saying. It's also essential for your own individual life. The second means uh, is, uh, is the Word of God. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus is the Christ. Continuity in Acts. Content of the Scriptures. You, you vacate Scripture in prayer. Church is just another crowd, another collection of people. The continuity is vital. It's very interesting, uh, two of the Greeks that we uh, have read here, Stephen and Philip, the next time uh, we will look at them, uh, they finish this task that they've been given by the apostles. And so what do they keep doing? Preaching and teaching the Word. Acts chapter 6, verse 10. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. They do the same thing the apostles are doing. Continuity in the life of the church. And that's really the point. You advance the faith by godly men with prayer and the Word of God. I don't think it goes without saying. Occasionally, people will call me and say, you know, I go to church and I see all these things happening and it's uh, less in the Word. It's, uh, the Word is less and it's less and less and less. And other things just simply have a way of uh, increasing in prominence and preeminence in the life of the church. That's why, again, this is a case study on how to fix issues. Uh, prayer and the Word. Uh, there's a result that follows us here. Verse 7. Look at the result. 
And the Word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Again, uh, the Word keeps on growing. Uh, the, uh, the aspect of the uh, verbal tense in the Greek text uh, speaks to continuous action. It keeps on because that's what the Word does. There's no pause or let up, only unrelenting continuity of action. Let's look at this uh, book of Acts, uh, chapter 12 and verse 24. But the word of the Lord continued to grow, multiply. Uh, chapter 19 and verse 20. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily. Uh, another illustration of this uh, if you turn in your New Testament, Colossians. Book of Colossians chapter 1. Verse 5 and 6. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard, heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all of the world also, is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. What's Paul using? The Word of God. What's growing in the life of his church? Colossians, the Word of God. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, Colossians uh, 1 could very well be an allusion to uh, the Great Commission uh, to Adam and Eve. Go and multiply. Uh, what's occurring in the life of the church. The Word is growing and multiplying. And the greater fulfillment is in a spiritual event in the life of the church with the means of prayer and the Word. I think this is a figure of speech which substitutes the effect for cause. And God is the cause. You begin to neglect the means for the multiplicity of programs that exist. I'm sure things will happen, uh, but I'm not so sure God doesn't sometimes leave. I think the Apostle Paul references this, does he not, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. It's very interesting that uh, the growing here is uh, uh, something of an echo, I think, of uh, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 7. Uh, the Israelites were growing in number. And that creates a problem that eventually results in the exodus. Uh, I think the word of God here is an essential element of the last great exodus, the movement to heaven. We will uh, at some point touch upon uh, the great uh, passages uh, of Isaiah and the power of the Word of God. We looked at one this morning in the call to worship, uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Uh, the Word of God stands, is eternal. It's forever. But we'll look at Isaiah 2, Isaiah 45, and Isaiah 55. Because the great engine propelling the spiritual growth of the church 
is the Word of God. We have a way of wanting for pragmatic things that produce physical results. It's just the American way. The American way. We're pragmatists at heart. But it has a place in life, industry. When it comes to the church, word and prayer, God uses the word. And the word is advancing, multiplying. And here, priests are being converted uh, and becoming obedient to the faith. The exodus is on. And the word makes us a part of it. It's also a corollary to the theology of the word creating the end time restoration. Uh, and again, like the theology of the Exodus that comes from the book of Isaiah. The fulfillment, the greater fulfillment, is in the life of the church. Uh, I uh, was reading uh, the Psalms the other day, uh, Psalm uh, 147, a beautiful reminder. Of, uh, of the Word of God. Psalm 147, verse 15. God sends forth His command to the earth. His Word runs very swiftly. Sometimes we discount that. Well, nothing happened today. I read the Word. Nothing. My friend, you can never engage the Word that things are not happening. It runs swiftly. It runs to and fro. Our problem is time. God's eternal. He has no problem with time. Uh, it's important for us to recognize it's His Word that God causes the growth. But we have a way of saying, oh my goodness, I know it's important to me, but my teenage or my young uh, person, uh, they need programs. Well, what do you get? Like the old Saul, what you win him with, you win him too. It begs the question, the life of the church is the power of the Word that runs swiftly to and fro, that never returns void. It's incredible. Incredible. Fads come into the church. They're always changing. The Word of God is forever. Praying before the eternal throne of heaven sets in motion eternal events. It's what the apostles are teaching us. It's a great engine driving the end time exodus and restoration. It's a creative word. Think about it in the majesty of the incarnation. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld His glory. In the Word, the eternal Word. It's a starting point of the Word of Christ, the incarnation, what Christ does. Let me remind you of a couple of contrasts that speak to, I think, the American church. Uh, it comes from uh, the Old Testament. Uh, if you will, the church uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, last, uh, last book of the Bible. Malachi, uh, chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Uh, Israel is in serious spiritual decline. And uh, Malachi uh, comes and 
reminds the people of uh, Levi, the priest. He's going to tell them that you have departed from his way and brought great harm into the community of the faith. So again, Malachi chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. True instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of the priest should preserve knowledge, and men should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. I was looking at a relief a couple of weeks ago, uh, or a picture of a relief of the great Jonathan Edwards. Under the relief was Malachi 2, verses 6 to 8. What prospered the church in the days of Jonathan Edwards was the Word of God. Prayers of the saints. Not just an Old Testament word. It's not just a word of so prominence in the first great awakening. Jonathan Edwards. It's true today. The spirit of Levi. Instruction in the word of God. Preeminent. Ageless. Timeless. It's another, uh, another reminder from the Old Testament, uh, Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. The context here is uh, very, very chilling because uh, God is affecting judgment uh, in a very unique way. Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or thirst for water, but rather for hearing of the word of the Lord. And people will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east, and they will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. God is left. He sends a famine as an act of judgment. People know that there's something wrong. And so they begin to seek, and they go all over the countryside. They can't find it because God has left. Uh, it's a chilling reminder of uh, the essence of what happens when the church begins to slowly, over time, adopt the ways and the means of the world and vacates the power and the essential element of the life of the church in the Word of God and the prayers of the saints, individually and corporately the great driving engine. Uh, it's my own uh, conviction that the, the Apostle Paul is alluding to Amos in those chilling words of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Now notice the prophetic fulfillment. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers 
in accordance with their own desires, who'll tell them what they want to hear, if you will, tickle their ears. What happens, life of church, God leaves. Programs may remain, uh, but perhaps God leaves. Children, reminder that you bring a leanness into your soul as an individual uh, when you uh, give less than preeminence for meeting God in His Word. The majesty of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the Word tabernacled among us. It's also just as important not to neglect the importance of uh, private and corporate prayers for the life of the church. Uh, Just as a manifestation of our utter dependence uh, for God to work, that we look to Him. Individually, to be sure, but corporately, uh, the right means, uh, the right men. That's the case study of uh, dealing with a problem. Life of the church, Acts chapter 6. The right men, the right means. And so as uh, the apostles resolved to turn to the right men and the right means, to devote themselves to the word and to prayer, uh, let us be steadfast in the ministry of the word of God and in prayer for God to bless us individually and corporately.